Welcome back to Toys on Tap. This week we bring on Keo, who is an all-around artist. He's dabbled in things from glass blowing and glass work to music producing. Now he's in digital sculpting, making toys and making things that he wants to create and hopefully headed to animatronics. If you want more of Toys on Tap, you can follow us on all socials at Toys on Tap. If you want to support the show, you can jump on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Toys on Tap. And if you want to give us a free gift by just going, subscribing, liking, rating, and reviewing wherever you get podcasts. Now let's jump into this episode of Toys on Tap. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey. Oh, it's, it's cool to see you have a whole you have a whole thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Everyone thinks, you know, when they come on, they're like, oh my God, you're outside. It's just a false wall. That's all it is. Yeah, it looks great, though. I love Thank it. you. I'm usually just listening to it as I'm working. Yeah. And so I never I never see anything. So, you know, I think I never really actually thought about it until now I see it. I'm like, oh look, you got a whole setup. Yeah. yeah. You know, if like That's I've awesome. I've wanted to build a whole set because I don't post any of the videos, right? Like it just okay. this is what happens. Um, I've wanted to build a set that's like always up, just full of toys with this type of background. But yeah, um, I don't have a space, which sucks. Mm. Yeah. What's wrong with like, what do you mean? Like you don't have a space, like you got space like right now, or you're just, you're going to put that wall away and then just be done with it. And then that's what you mean. Yeah. So this, like this room that I'm in gets altered and used for like all kinds of stuff. Ah, Yeah. So I need a space that's like just podcast, just toys, just whatever. You would get maybe like some shelf, like some shelving, and then have I guess like permanent like show pieces that you just would glue onto the shelves, and then yeah. it would move with the wall, and then you would just have to risk maybe a couple of toys maybe getting banged up. But it's See, cool; it looks great. I've thought about also putting it on wheels, like you know those old yeah. chalkboards, and mm-hmm. having that style thing and seeing if it'll work. But I don't know; we'll find out. Cool. Yeah, man, yeah. you're growing. It's awesome, it's dude. Cool I'm stoked that you're on. You, uh, I love bringing on people that sculpt. I think digital sculpting is like rad as hell. I don't, I don't do it. I, uh, I had Nomad or one. Is Nomad the free one? Nomad, no, Nomad's not free, but it's one of them. It's, it's probably the better one. I would say. I had one for like 30 seconds, and it's so overwhelming. And you just know yeah. it's going to take a lot of time. <laughs> I immediately was like, who can I commission my work through? Who can I? Because it's difficult. Yeah. Like, so much. It is. You know, in the beginning it is. But honestly, like, especially, you no, know, Matt, because I'm primarily an iPad sculptor, right? Like, I have ZBrush. I've got a Wacom. And I can do it that way as well. But what happens is my whole setup is upstairs. And where I spend most of my time is downstairs with my family. Like I have a real strict like rule with like my work life balance um, because I'm very easily the type of guy that will spend all day, all night working on stuff and then totally forget that I have a family and a girlfriend or a wife or anybody. It just becomes about me getting everything done. So I've had like past relationships in the past go back because of that. I used to be a glass artist Mm -hmm. and to do pieces... 
from Kenner's Star Wars collection, each sold separately. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This episode is brought to you by Elixir Toys, a Fubi creator based out of South Florida. Elixir is out there conjuring up toys that are best described as horror meets nature. His toy creations include Fun Gusting the Evil Man-Eating Mushroom, Thick Gusting the Big Booty Chibi Mushroom, and of course the Seer, an evil shaman and conjurer of chaos. If you're wondering how often these new things drop, new drops come every month. And these drops range from different colorways, different pay apps, different artists collaborating with them, and they are so sick. To get your hands on these pieces and to find out more about Elixir Toys, you can find him on Instagram at Elixir Toys, or you can go to his website at ElixirToys.com. You know, it takes a very, very long time. And so the whole day would go by and then, you know, God forbid I break the piece at the end and then I'm like, crap, I got to start all over again yeah. and stuff. And then, you, you know, everything goes out the window and, um, and that's not good. Right. So you got to have a, a work-life balance. So what's great is that I could be downstairs watching a show with my wife, with my iPad while being able to work on stuff and still feel like we're spending time together because I could scope and still be alert. Like it doesn't take, like once you understand the, the user interface and what the tools do and you play around and you make a bunch of trash for like the first 30 files yeah and then it starts to come together and then you got things like youtube out there that are just amazing resources of information and there's some really good people on there right now that are just kind of new to the space and they're putting out some really good stuff so they're really helping people skip all of like the tough you know what does this thing do i don't even know what this does and now you've got resources that are telling you hey this tool you use like this and then once somebody tells you what it is it makes so much more sense and um it's a lot of fun you could make really cool stuff just sitting on your couch you know watching tv or you know whatever lounging around or so the great thing is is you could have it on your phone too see that's so you, if, i'll never get anything done if i do that though isn't that the coolest thing though? Like the other, like one day I was sitting at the DMV, the DMV was like a two hour wait. And I was like, well, hell, what am I going to do? And I wasn't expect. I had an appointment and my stupid ass thought that I was going to be able to just walk in and get it done. It's like, oh no, here's your appointment for your two hour wait. So I was like, oh, all right, cool. So, and I was able to just pull up Nomad Scope on my phone and just like mess around with it. And it's not as great as having an iPencil. Uh, but you can still get a fairly good amount of stuff done just like with your fingers. And like I said, understanding the tools is just really like 90% of it. I have faith in you, man. If you, if you have an iPad with nomads still sitting around on it, I believe that you could probably be really making some stuff if you pull up some YouTube and really maybe I would spend maybe three or four days really learning it and you can do it. I promise. Dude, that's what I need. I just need a podcast where people come on and just say encouraging things like that. <laughs> you can do it, man. It's, it's yeah. And you know what's funny? In the beginning, it feels like it's overwhelming. But the more you start learning and you get interested in it, you go down this rabbit hole where it's like it's knowledge that you want to know. So you're like actively seeking it and start things that didn't make sense before and now start to make sense. And then the yeah. next thing you know. You're downloading Blender, and now you're making environments instead of characters, and you're putting those characters you made in your environment and doing all kinds of crazy things. And it's just a, it's an endless pit. 
but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But I have faith in you because I've heard you say in interviews before, you're like, oh, I can't do the sculpting. I can't do the sculpting. I'm like, dude, you can definitely do the sculpting. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to sculpt a, you know, any Michelangelo level kind of stuff. But you can start with just playing with some primitive shapes and putting them together. And there's definitely a bunch of resources out there that'll get you out of any weeds um, that you might come across. Yeah. My only, my only thing about Nomad, I would say, it's a good and it's a bad thing. They get a lot of updates pretty often. And so it's like right when you feel like you understand the software, they kind of switch things up on you. And that's where I'm at right now. <clears throat> I had a crazy workflow going on and I was making a ton of stuff. And then they came out with a huge update, complete overhaul of like the tools and the user interface. They added a bunch of stuff, which is awesome. But now I feel like I don't know how to use the program anymore. And I got to start all over again because they moved a ton of stuff. So I would say if you're coming into it now, I don't think they're going to change too much. There's not a whole lot of room left for it to go. It's 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 got pretty much everything you need, man. Um, such a such an awesome tool to use, and I've been taking advantage of it, as you can probably see on my Instagram. You know, making yeah. toys and figures and stuff, and and been having a crazy blast with that. <clears throat> Completely um, underestimated what it takes to make these things. Uh, <laughs> I thought it'd be a lot easier. I thought the 3D printer was going to handle most of the legwork. And in a way it does, but in order to get like a nice, clean, polished look, there's a lot of like masterful hand and tactic that you just need to know that a 3D printer is not going to give you. Or at least not the 3D printer that I use. I use an FDM 3D printer. I wouldn't recommend it for toy making specifically. Mm -hmm. I would go more towards the resin route if I can go and do it all over again. And I will get a resin printer. I'm just not in a space where I could use it, where I feel comfortable. I know it gives off fumes and things like that. And um, I just don't have the space. So I got to like sacrifice something yeah. <laughs> before I bring before I bring that on. But before we go any uh, further, please introduce yourself. Yeah, please tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, man. My name is Keo Monpadron. You guys can call me Keo. I'm kpatio22 on Instagram. And man, honestly, I would just describe myself as a general artist. Um, I'm getting into toy making. It is my primary project right now. I'm building a line of characters. I'm doing a lot of tests. I'm trying to do some cool and funky things that uh, I have seen and maybe haven't seen in the toy world so far. So um yeah, man, toys is the medium today. But, you know, I like to do a lot of other things. Like I said, I used to be a glass artist. I like to paint. I like to, you know, uh, do, play a lot around in Blender and do other 3D things and just, you know, just keep the mind busy, you know? No, oh, we're going to take it back. Uh, to be an yeah, artist, I mean, that's like, that's a big term. But And using toys as the, like, medium right now. Uh, take me back to when you were younger. What are toys, like? How did they play into your childhood? Do you have a lot of them, almost none of them? What was that like? So picture this, man. I was an only child up until about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So um, I got toy. everything I wanted, man. Yeah. I got fucking everything. Everything that came out, dude. And like I had, a, I have a huge family. My family is huge. So Christmas and birthdays and stuff were awesome because I got a lot of gifts from all these people. And they always knew what I liked. And I was into, you know, in the beginning, you, you like Disney stuff. So I liked I like Aladdin. And this is like very, very young. But I would say like the main toy era for me was like when I got into Power Rangers. Right? Yeah. Power Rangers was my thing. 
um, you know, the the all the the Saturday morning cartoon shows were my thing. The you know the, the '90s Batman was awesome. The animated yep. series Batman was awesome. Nothing like it. I mean, I remember having a million of those toys too, because they made one for like everything. He had a car. He had a parachute. He had a rocket launcher. He had a pistol. He had a Gatling gun. He had a special cape. You know what I mean? They made millions of them, and um, it was really really cool. Uh, to be able to, you know, have a lot of those. You you don't realize that until, you know, you get older and you're like, damn, not everybody had it as good as me. <laughs> yeah. Did you give all those but, toys to younger sibling? No, man. Some of them just got lost um, yeah. or donated or like my parents were very much the kind that were like, oh, we're going to clean everything out. You don't use this, get rid of it kind of thing. Or you're too old for this or whatever. And so... At the time, you know, and I feel like a lot of people have the same story. They don't realize it at the time when they're getting rid of it. And then, you know, they hit 30 years old and they're like, man, I want, I wish I had yeah. my, my street shark, my street shark figure. Or I used to have a, a toy line of like, a, like battle of mice from Mars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bike, biker mice from Mars. They had motorcycles and shit. It was awesome. But like, I don't know, man, I had a ton of toys growing up. And what was cool is that I grew up in South Florida and Miami. And my earliest memories of toys was um, being dropped off at like my grandmother's house. And she lived a block away from like a dollar store. And I guess like as a thing to do, we would walk to the dollar store. She would buy me a toy. And these toys, (laughs) you know, looking back on them now, they were awesome, but they were like, they had to have been like some kind of bootleg GI Joe kind of thing. Cause they never had any like real label to them. But re- looking back then I'm realizing they had so many points of articulation mm-hmm. that I feel like American made toys like didn't have. And I don't know where those toys were made, but I know that you were able to move like the, the hand parts, yeah. to, you know, to be able to grab things, the elbows, the shoulder sockets, the, the head, neck and all that stuff. And so you were able to really pose them. And, you know, I guess what I would always pose them is like karate poses, you know, because they're getting ready to hit somebody or whatever. Yeah. So they had the flexibility to do that. The problem was is that the paint jobs on them were so bad that like, <laughs> yeah, like it would it would get smeared. Right. And if there was any kind of like red to the character that was like in the facial area it would look like 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 he's got lipstick on or you know what I mean? It yeah. just like it looked it looked all crazy and just bled together. So my cousin actually took this idea from him because he would get the same toys because you know we show the same grandmother and when he would stay with her she would buy him toys too but when i started seeing his toys i started noticing that he was coloring his toys and ninjas were like the cool thing at the time for us and so what he would do is he would just like take a black marker and just cover up and just paint the whole figure up until the eyes so you only just see the eyes yeah you paint them as ninjas and they were like it was perfect and it was like holy crap this is cool like we could do this and so he had like a cool wolverine and he started like doing customized like painting on wolverine and then i got into that too and i was like hell yeah this is sweet you know because he got tired of like the the wolverine at the time was more like a tannish with like a darker brown accent and he was like nah i want mine to be like black and yellow when you paint black and yellow and it would look cool as shit Dude, I what's yeah. crazy, you're talking, you brought up a couple of things. Um the like the street sharks, yeah, that was one of the figures that like I'm now trying to like clamor for and I get now, but they 
all these dollar stores when we were kids, I like the rules of copyright still existed. So I don't know how they did it, but it was they were bootlegs for sure. Like they yeah, they had to have been. Yeah, there was uh, Street Shark bootlegs that got sold in dollar stores through a company called Good Values, but they always mm-hmm. come from China. Always. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And they're real ugly. Were they... Yeah, okay. I was going to say, are, are they as good as the originals? I would assume maybe not. Hell no. But... It is a He-Man slash... Um... Oh, they just put the head on the body, right? Yeah, it's just a giant shark head on a regular body. <laughs> And they're so expensive. It like they're just rad. Yeah. Hell yeah. But that's uh, that's dope to have like core memories like that. And to start like everyone, we all customize toys or do whatever we do now. But uh, we always forget that it starts when we're kids. Like even the little thing mm-hmm. of trying to make ninjas out of like a normal figure. Like welcome to toy customization. Like you just you did it. Nope. Yep, exactly. No, I mean, who knew back then that that would be a start to to something that's, you know, so close to what I try to do now, you know. Um, I, I try to do everything in-house. I, I model my characters. I print them. I sand them down. I hit them with uh, the filler primer, sand that down a bunch, also a bunch of different grids, um, you know, hit it with some primer, learning how to paint things, learning how to paint things properly. Yeah. Right. So I've wasted a ton of plastic messing stuff up. It's kind of been a painful process because there's not a whole lot of resources on exactly how to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have the craftsman, all hail the craftsman. Yeah. Right. He leads us <laughs> in the beginning when, when we're super lost, but you know, it's really still a lot of variables. It depends on the equipment you have available to you. It depends on the knowledge you're willing to invest in to you know do all of this stuff on your own and now i see why people outsource stuff yeah. you want to see something funny check this out third eye toys we interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this meanwhile in a galaxy of bootleg treasures dov2 we have a new failure we must crash land on dke toy planet oh my we're doomed wait salvation hooray We'll save the DLV2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures. DKE. Yeah, man. Shout out to Third Eye Toys. I pretty much begged him to make me some molds. Uh, I found out about him through your show. Yeah. I contacted him. I went on his page and I was like, hey, man, your molds are looking pretty sweet. Uh, please make me some molds, <laughs> and uh, we ended up working out a deal. And uh, he got he got me some molds made, you know. So that's just another part down the rabbit hole that I'm going on and uh, gonna order a bunch of resin and potentially make my own pressure pot. I don't know. Okay. I've seen a couple of YouTube videos. One of them seems like it could work. Kind of easy. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> I'm gonna find out. So, uh, I mean, Harbor Freight has the cheapest one, right? For like 99 bucks, you buy it, you add, man, I got to remember, there's like four pieces you add to it, and then you take a hacksaw and cut off the inner, there's like an inner pipe, you cut that off, and then you're good to go. Like, it's it seems crazy, but it's not as crazy as, like, it is. I can't imagine that it would be, I mean... 
although you, anything you're dealing with, like, you know, pressure and stuff, I mean, that's definitely could be dangerous and you want to take off precautions. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to go down that route and start messing with this uh, resin stuff because all I've had is failed attempts so far at resin. Yep. Everything that you see right now is just hardcore 3D printed, filler primer, sanded, hard, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it. But it's not like a feasible way to like really get out things in terms of volume, yeah. right? And I also think that's the downside of an FDM printer, like an Ender 3 is what I'm using right now. And I'm realizing I'm like, man, if I'm going to pop out a bunch of stuff, I need to upgrade my equipment. So I told my wife actually today that I was like, hey, I think we're going to get a resin printer only because, you know, one, it's going to save me a bunch on sanding and it just makes the process just, I get to skip a couple of steps that I normally would have to do, which are going to save me money. And then I can print out more things per surface area. Yeah. Right. So I can have more things printing at once versus, you know, eight hours for one thing on this bad boy, which is currently how long it takes to print some of these dogs that I'm making. So it's a, it's a labor of love for sure. But I can see why people get into it, man, because it's so rewarding when you come out the other side and you hold like a finished piece in your hand. Mind you, I have I don't think I've made anything that I'm like 100% happy with and I'm wondering if that's just a product of just being an artist kind of person where you're never happy with anything you actually make but um you know I want to see what like a like a China manufactured version of one of my figures yeah. looks like Dude it's that's that is such an expensive route to go it's so hard dude i've been researching it it's so expensive and i'm pretty sure like the first time i saw a quote on like what it costs to get a mold made yeah like my jaw hit the floor like 10 grand right yeah no that yeah 10 grand for like the cheapest yeah lowest quality one so it, it's it's a good reality check right because <laughs> in a way i'm just kind of like oh i'm making you know i'm making these figures that i make because they um they represent my dogs right now and they're almost like kind of like a test to see just how far i can go with the equipment that i currently have so like the next step i'm going into is articulation because none of the stuff i have is articulation but i do want my stuff to be functional which is why i started making them into piggy banks Right, because they're gonna be, you know, figures anyway, and sitting on a desk or something. So why not make them functional if I yeah. can? And so if I put a little slit here and a little hole at the bottom, I essentially you still have a, a toy that will sit on your desk or something, but it's actually functional and it serves a purpose, and you can put money in them, and you're chilling. Yeah, you know, which is dope. But uh, so walk me back, you. Um didn't start out in sculpting it didn't start out in toys you like you're an artist that has done like many things how'd you get started in glass blowing let's go there first (laughs) man so before glass i did music production and was djing at local clubs in jacksonville once upon a time and i was more of a music producer trying to break into djing and i met up with a buddy who didn't know anything about music production, but he knew how to DJ. And so we kind of became a team. The idea was that I would create original music, he would mix it in, and we would create a a DJ producer duo kind of thing. That was cool at the time, and that was both of our passions, so it made sense to do it. Anyway, we do it. It's cool and all. 
I end up going my own way. He ends up doing his own thing. He ends up just dropping DJing all together and he gets into glass, right? <clears throat> He's like on a parallel quest to what I'm doing. My roommate at the time, all of a sudden, just comes out of nowhere and he's like, hey, man, you know, I was in a glass shop the other day and I saw how expensive some of this glass was. He's like, I'm going to order a glass blowing kit and see if I can make some stuff to sell. And I was like, yeah, man, that's a cool idea. Like, go for it. You know, like, I'll probably mess with it, maybe make a couple marbles or something. That'll be cool. So he ends up ordering the kit. I end up playing more with it than he does. And so I end up just paying him for it. And I say, hey, I'll just buy this off of you. Like, you're not using it. It's not, I obviously have commandeered it. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll just, you know, to be fair, I'll just buy it off of you. So I buy it off of him. Then I hit up my buddy who's, you know, the DJ, who's a glass artist now. And he's like doing crazy awesome stuff. He's making like Nightmare Before Christmas pieces that are like multicolored layered and sandblasted mm. and like insane kind of stuff. And um, I hit him back up and he saw kind of like where I was at and, and uh, he would come over every now and then and like show me some stuff. And, you know, other than that, it was really just me like sweating my ass off till four, five, six in the morning, just breaking glass and ordering more and wasting propane and oxygen. And and it was nuts. But what was what was cool about it was that I got to a point where I had the freedom to just be like, I want to make like characters in glass. And I had a desire to do that, you know, and sometimes they were functional and sometimes they weren't. The functional yeah. ones were cool though. Yeah. I'll show you some pictures of those later. Those are, are sweet. I don't have, I don't have them anymore. I haven't done glass stuff in a very long time. I would like to get back into it if I can get some space, but it's, right now it's very expensive. The logistics for it. If it's not, if the stars don't align for you, it's a very hard uh, hobby to maintain. Um. So, you know, I ended up moving from Jacksonville and lost all my resources over there because I had stuff set up with like air gas to get, you know, oxygen and stuff regularly. But even back then I was doing characters in glass and using a butter knife to sculpt yeah. faces and, and make eyeballs and, you know, slime drips and teeth with gums and stuff and make kind of all kinds of monsters. And then, you know, because I wasn't able to do that for so long, I had like an itch and I'm like, man, you know, how can I still like make things, right? And so I was like, you know what, clay. I'll just go to the, the hobby store and buy some clay. So I buy some clay. I start messing around with some sculpts. I make a couple of little like heads or whatever. I make like a little alien head, you know, like yeah. this guy or whatever, you know, and just start like messing around Um, a couple of other. Oh, that one's sick. I do that I've made, you know, just, but you know what, man, that also just requires you just like being in a, in an isolated spot, messing with clay, building your armature and doing it. And while it is cool, I was kind of like, man, you know, I can't do this like when I'm out and about. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I started leaning more towards, okay, well, the iPad, I had an old ass iPad collecting dust. And I was like, let me see the 3D modeling software is out there, you know? And I think a lot of this has to do with just accessibility because a lot of this stuff wasn't available like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. I feel like I would have been doing this so much longer if the technology was available to me and it wasn't. And now that it is, I'm like, hey, let me check it out, you know? So I started playing with some Nomad on a cheap iPad. Started realizing the limitations of a cheap iPad with Nomad because you are starting to play with 3D bigger files, especially if you go in depth and you start making layers and you start painting things and yeah, start making it high res. And 
you know, iPads can only handle so much. So what I did was I bought a cheap course uh, for Nomad. This was before they added all the crazy updates. So it was pretty stable and you were able to learn the software because they didn't change too many things. And the first class was like how to make a dinosaur, mm-hmm. make it a T-Rex at that. And it's like a bomb ass T-Rex that he shows you how to make. And then from there, like it kind of covers almost all the ground of what I wanted to learn getting into 3D, which was like making monsters. <laughs> because if you can make a T-Rex, you can make a monster, right? Mm-hmm. It's got all the characteristics of things that I consider to be cool in monsters, which is big, you know, sharp claws and crazy teeth and, you know, crazy stance and structure and stuff. And so it's kind of like, damn, if you can make a T-Rex, you can make a dragon. You can make a Hydra. You can make, you know, a ton of like cool things in 3D. So did that, dude. And from there, like, you know, if you can make the T-Rex in the course, you get the confidence to be able to be like, okay, well, now I can do this because now I know what all of this stuff does. Yeah. And you just kind of go on a creative rampage you start making a bunch of stuff and yeah some of it's trash and some of it's not but if you understand anything about the creative process is that you just got to pick it up and do it and do it over again and you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days and but you know as long as you have those days you got to have the day you know how long have you been even doing on, digital sculpt probably two and a half years now okay actually yeah on and off because it's it's crazy the balance like when, you know, when it comes to making a toy, there's so many individual individual things that you're learning, right? So it's not only about just making the model, but now understanding how the model works in a slicer and what needs supports and how you're going to print this thing. And should I print it upside down? Because if I print it upside down, I don't have to have supports on the arms yeah. that might cause it to break off, you know, after eight hours of printing. So you yeah. start like thinking super critically and, <laughs> you know, a lot of my designs are actually based around like the ease of printing for me um, and like what my PLA is able to handle and what my slicer is able to do and the settings that I currently have it at. So I plan on playing more with that. Um, my printer has been going down, dude. It's been rough. Uh, normally I'd have like so much more stuff done, but things keep breaking on this thing. I've uh, I've almost replaced every part on it. And in a way it's good because I used to be scared of it. But because I've replaced everything on it, I like yeah. know it inside and out. So it's yeah. like, oh, okay, I know how to get to this part because I've had to replace the part right next to it like two weeks ago, you know. So it's it's a little rough on that end, which is why I'm leaning more towards the resin printers, especially since all my idols in the toy industry seem to uh, be using resin printers. Tell me about those their, idols. Which stuff. ones are you like? These are the ones I got to follow. These are the ones I'm keeping my eye on. Tell me about those people. Man, dude, my my favorite artist right now, hands down, is uh, is Vandal. Okay. Vandal's, his, his Vandal's making incredible. His stuff is like actually some of the reason why I was like, you know, I'm going to make toys too because his like design and art style and and characters and the and the language design language that he uses and the color schemes and everything it all just is right up my alley and i love it and his, his characters are cohesive uh they look great they're whimsical yeah. the shape language on them is is great and um in a way it was kind of like bittersweet because i can definitely never make things as good as he does but originally going in when i wanted to make a toy i wanted to make a little like hooded character 
almost yeah. kind of like his, but more of like a Grim Reaper kind of style in a way. So it was, I think like Vandal figure, but like Grim Reaper. Yeah. And, you know, I was also thinking maybe I'm having like a little joint like sticking out of his, like the, the little hole where his face would be. And that would be like his thing. Like he's always like smoking and like yeah. ashing, ashing everywhere. Um, so, you know, but I didn't want to rip him. And I saw it and I was just like, oh no, this guy, this dude is on another level. Like he's got, he's got a whole brand ready yeah. to go. And so I'm, I'm, ex- I'm stoked because it's, I wanted some of his pieces and they can get expensive. He tries to keep the prices low. I understand that. But like, I would totally have more of his pieces. The problem is I have a hard time buying other people's toys when I think about that money and how it can go towards what I can do with some of my toys. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so the piece really has to speak to me to get, you know, for me to buy it. And recently he released a piece that I couldn't ignore. I was trying to ignore. I was like, no, I need, you know, I'm going to spend this money on, you know, something for me or whatever. And then I kept looking at it and looking at it. And then I'm listening to your podcast and people are like, oh, if you see something, a toy that you like, you should just buy it. And then I'm like, I'm like looking at the, like the buy now thing while listening to your podcast. And, you know, every voice in my head is saying, buy it, buy it, buy it. Like you like this, like this is, this makes you happy when you look at it. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and then I just bought it, right? So I'm stoked on that because it's a pre-order. Obviously, he's got to take a little bit of time to get. So but I'm stoked to, to get it. So I ordered my first Vandal piece. And then my first piece ever is a Joe Ledbetter. Uh, not a lot, I don't know how many people know him. In the art world, he's pretty good. He's, he's done uh, some artwork for some pretty big bands and stuff. But he created some of these um disney collab oh pieces. they're so sick and these are like the limited edition like black and white and so they have you know even the packaging is awesome and he was nice enough to uh, sign it for me this was actually a surprise from my uh sister-in-law she just was in disney happened to be in epcot while he was there signing stuff and she knew that i liked these figures and she bought them for me and uh there you go. That's the that's the mini. They look great. Black and white mini. Yeah. And then Mickey. And he's got like this really cool, you know, style, like minimalist, kind of blocky cartoon style, which is more my my fancy. Yeah, when you find but yeah, man. like based off of the the artists that you like, and um because uh like Ten Hun also makes figures that mm-hmm. kind of look like that, has that like you can just tell his figures apart. Um, And there's a lot of kid robot that I see in these type of designer toys as well. Um, And so when you, when you're looking at your own sculpting, right. Cause you, you've said that you wanted to make your own characters and your own stuff, but then you love these type of artists and like artists like Vandal. How are you mixing those? How do you reconcile like the things that you really want to make? And then the artists that are influencing you. 
it's tough, dude. It's almost like a voice that I'm like trying not to listen to. Yeah. Um, just because sometimes things get just get too close, and then I start to feel like I'm in a box trying to figure out a puzzle that you know maybe if i spend my energy doing something completely different i'll get the same satisfaction of of that from what i'm trying to get trying to put you know a a square peg in a round hole right right it can and listen i'm not afraid to try it like i'll try it and i'll give things a chance and i'll just marinate on it and i'll think about it for a little while but you know i i don't know there's there's a couple of designs that I'm sitting on that I'm, I'm pretty excited to do. I just got the printer up and running, so the plan is to start uh, getting to work on some of those. Some of those are going to be articulated pieces because I think that's the next step for me in terms of like growth and understanding and, and like even approaching sculpting differently. You yeah. have to approach sculpting differently the minute that articulation starts to come into the conversation because now you're thinking about okay, well, how long do I want to make this character's neck because is you know is this the neck that i'm going to attach a head to or am i attaching the head and neck to legs or you know what i mean like how how much articulation do i want to have how much articulation can i get away with with this particular model right so it's a lot of uh experiments but what's cool is that i have some glass techniques that i'm trying to incorporate in some of this toy making and it's just like post-processing uh, glass stuff where um, there's one called electroforming mm-hmm. where you essentially paint something in copper, dump it in a solution, and you use rectifiers and, and, and electricity to uh, essentially create a, a copper, uh, like brass. Well, I guess it's not brass, it's just copper, uh, like plating. You're just copper yeah. plating stuff. Yeah. And you could patina that. You can put designs on that and then sandblast over it to have like crazy designs if you have a stencil cutter and stuff. I mean, the possibilities are endless. You can go so hard on some of these things. So that's my plan, man. I wanna I wanna make some really cool figures. I wanna uh, dabble with some more designs. I got some things with magnets that I wanna play with, which I think is cool. Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna figure out how to make some of these things levitate. And, okay. Oh, and- like the. Dude, are you talking like when people like the sneakerheads and they have that shoe? That's <laughs> have like, you seen that, dude? It's dude, so I'm trying sick. to do that. I have a figure that I'm, I I have like he's like in a in like a Buddha like uh, meditative like sitting pose. Yeah, and I want to see him floating. I want him just floating and just levitating on a really cool platform. I gotta figure it out. But I know all right, let's possible. figure it out. I think in my how head, cool would that be, dude? Right. Um, I don't know fully how those things work. Um, I can't tell if it's repelling or if it's like if there's separate ones. But if you're casting uh, a Buddha figure and you put a magnet in the top and then resin over it and then a magnet in the bottom and then have a magnet on either mm-hmm. side, it's the same oh, just tension. Pulling it. I see. So then it'll yeah, always the, spin. The, the hardest part about that would be creating the stand that's going to hold the top one. Oh yeah, I don't know and how to do any of that. Yeah, nah, but man, there's some there's there's some that I've seen that don't have any kind of like top uh, pull at all, and it's just a relationship between what's in the piece and what's in the base. And the base is always going to be, yeah, um, you know, electricity powered or whatever, because you need you know more power when it comes to trying to make things levitate like that. But I've been doing a little bit of research on it. It's not easy. It's going to take a lot. I'm going to destroy a ton of models. Uh, doing this and it yeah. might get expensive but i think it'll be worth it man because 
how sweet would that be? Or to create a character and then have that device like in their hand and then like they could like make things levitate in their hand. Yeah. You know, like that'll be sweet as shit. Dude, the more you talk <laughs> about like all these art forms, what's cool about this podcast is we've had so many people that have done like the most amount of art, right? Like um, yeah. people that work with factories to get like these action figures fully printed people that sculpt and they work with articulation um, people that work with glass. Like we've had so many of these artists on. And so you're in a community that is like a good descriptor is like, it's just waiting for your message to come through. Like you're, you're in a community that's like, Hey, when you're ready, I'm ready. And it's like the best community to be in. Um, uh, a good an artist say have you heard of desert octopus no but i definitely gonna check that out with a name Dude, like that you kidding? desert octopus let me desert describe octopus. desert octopus to you so he does 3d sculpting <laughs> and is quick and by quick like i don't know how to say how quick someone is um an episode of the mandalorian will come on at like mm-hmm. midnight on i think it's like tuesday or wednesday i don't know um, the next day he has a sculpt done of a new character that's never been done before. Like he's just so quick with articulation. You can, I think you can buy the files. He, um, is so creative. Um, so I have my own stuff that I do for toys. And one of the characters that I designed is a, it's this ball with spikes all over it. And his name, okay. is, his name is Spike. And yeah, hell yeah. his whole thing is um, he's a mimicry. So whatever he sees, he can make out of himself. So two of two of the spikes can flip inside out and they become tentacles. And then the bottom set of spikes can flip upside down and become human feet. And it's all by nice. design. Like this guy is just a genius. And I praise every bit of work that he does. He's He just, he did it. Yeah. Oh man, you see, like those are the guys that I'm looking up to, and I, I'm get, oh man, I would love to like see that in action. <laughs> yeah, it's. In, I'll send it's you. It's so um, crazy. It's like a giant puzzle, and it's like, and then you're messing with the whole 3D aspect, and then just the the difficulties of sculpting just something cool to begin with. Yeah. Then now you're making it like functional on multiple levels, like dude, holy crap! Yeah, super good, and I like there are artists that. Um, there's a whole team of artists called uh, Making a Mutant, and yes, they, yes, yes, dude, yes, incredible. Like they're all sculpting all over the world, and they're just waiting for you to jump in. They're just waiting for you to say, "I want in." Damn, you know, I should probably hit them up because I definitely, when I first started sculpting, I took a real big, like I said, I took an interest in monsters specifically. Yeah. Actually, I thought I wanted to do a whole career path where I was going to make monsters for video games. Like, oh, okay. I, like one of my dreams was to, like, design a monster and then have it be, like, a, a monster character in, like, a Diablo game or something. Yeah. Like, I think that'd be the coolest shit ever. So I got a whole file of just, like, monsters. But the problem is that with my printer, they're a pain in the ass to print. Yeah. Because they've got all kinds of, you know, spikes and horns and tentacles and, and things that, like, the printer just doesn't translate very well, or at least mine doesn't. So, um, 
again, just leaning more towards the resin printer for that reason. Because man, yeah. I see some of the stuff people print on that, like especially for the miniatures and the D and D stuff, like where they get real intricate with like armor design and stuff, and the ability for the printer to like capture that, it's insane. Yeah, you know, we've come we've come so far. Like this technology was thousands and thousands of dollars, like not that long ago, and today you can scoop one, you know, for like probably two hundred, three hundred dollars for a decent one. Yeah, which is still it's just still like not that much if you consider what it is you're getting and what you can do with it. Yeah, it's crazy. I think you're in and I think what I've seen, too, with your work is that like you're doing all this stuff, but then every once in a while you dabble in something that seems so crazy. like you had you dabbled in augmented reality. Oh yeah. And it's dude. like that you like you're just making leaps and bounds. It's like you learn something and then you're like, I gotta get to the next thing. And it's insane. Like I well, dude, it'll happen to you. I'm telling you, that's part of the rabbit hole because what happens is it's like, all right, you learn 3D, right? And now you have a 3D character. And then the next thing that starts going through your mind is okay, I have this 3D character that I made. Now what can I make it do? Yeah. Right? Can I make it walk? Could I, you know, how do I make it walk? Now I put bones in it and I make it walk. Oh, can I put it? Can I make it, you know, walk down the street in the augmented augmented reality? I already have a character that I've made. I don't have to worry about that. I just import right. this. And that's the whole thing is you make a character. And a lot of these programs have options for you to import your own stuff, right? Mm. So it's just perfect. It translates over excellent. And you can do it all on your iPad. Like all the augmented reality stuff is done on an iPad. Not using yeah. a computer, not doing anything else. Like I would say, the only thing I'm using a computer for is what's called retopology, which is the bane of my existence. Yeah, and it's pretty much just reducing the the resolution of a you know of a model. Typically, I, my models go into like the millions and millions of polygons because I like to add the detail and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go in and make like a different version of it where it's low poly. And then you bake the textures on, and you go down that rabbit hole and you'll learn all of that stuff. I promise you. And you'll want to learn it. It's not like a painstaking, like, oh, this shit sucks. I don't want to do it. It's more like a mystery. And it's kind of like, damn, okay, I have a cool-ass dinosaur. Now, how do I make his skin look cool? Or, you know what I mean? And then yeah. you start researching that. And, and then once you have something finished and done, it becomes like an addiction. You're like, damn, what's next? I want to make some more stuff, you know? With being an artist that has gone through this many things, do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Absolutely. All day, dude. What's your fix? <laughs> um, I'm pretty good at just mentally just telling myself that I'm doing this because this is what makes me happy, which yeah. is essentially just what I do, right? I switch mediums all the time because I'm like, you know what? Painting today is what's going to make me happy, and that's what I'm going to do. And I put my mental health above, you know, all of that stuff, you yeah. know, worrying about what people think or if there's any inconsistency and stuff. And while that all might be happening right now, it's all in an effort to learn something where I'm going to pull all of these little skills that I'm learning and then create something that's going to be strong and cohesive and in line and, and, and cool. Yeah. And more of like an inline vision because now I understand my limitations. I know what I can print. I understand, you know, how long it takes to sand things, um, you know, reaching out to people for help for like the molding dude i was never going to figure out the silicone mold by myself like i tried it twice before and that stuff is expensive so mm -hmm. i was like you know what i could go out here and spend hundreds of dollars and continue to mess this up or i can just pay somebody who knows what the hell they're doing and <laughs> yeah. skip 
all of that shit because I would say once it gets into the molding and even the resin thing that I got to get into now, like it's overwhelming because it's all science and it's all its own like art form. And yeah. So essentially when you're getting into toy making, you're getting ready to take on. What is this master? Deep in the darkest corners of our Digital sculptors are choosing body parts and combining them in unnatural ways. <laughs> they are making a mutant. The evolving group of worldwide toy makers has been collaborating digital sculpting and making a mutant on Instagram. <laughs> Making a mutant. on Instagram. <laughs> Join making a mutant on Instagram, a digital sculpting toy collab. Multiple hats, unless you outsource everything. I'm not sure you understand that. Yeah, you know, I, you know, you do that with your toys. I'm not against what's so crazy is there are people that are against outsourcing certain things, right? There's that, like, you need to learn how to do it. Maybe, maybe I do, mm-hmm. right? However, um, I'm not going to um, – there's a book by Tony Shea. He's the creator of Zappos Shoes, and it's – I think it's called uh, Delivering Happiness. And his whole thing is like how to build this brand, build a good brand, be happy, and like it walks through everything, building a core culture. And one of the things in the book he says is never outsource your core competency. So my core competency in toy making – is character design, prototyping, and then creative ideas. Everything else in my thing can be outsourced. As long as I don't outsource the things that I know that I'm good at, I'm good. And I think that people forget that. Like, there's so much shit that other people are better at. Why wouldn't I ask them to do it? Yeah. Well, I think it's people just wanting, you know, like you said, with imposter syndrome, people not wanting to feel that way because, you know, it could be very easy to feel that way when you make something. And, you know, if you if you worry too much about like elitist mentality or like purist mentality, where yeah. it's like, well, you got to make your own stuff. Dude, I had to deal with that when I was making, you know, music, primarily like hip hop music. It's there's a battle between if you were, you know, making your own melody or if you were take, taking samples and throwing drums on top of samples, mm-hmm. right? Which is like a ton of hip hop music. It's it's drums on top top of samples. Like historically, that's just that's what it is. Some of the yeah. best songs are just sample songs with some dope ass drums on top of them. Yet in the producer community, there is that strong debate where it's like, oh, you didn't you're not writing all of the melodies and the drums together like you're sampling because you don't have any musician skill or whatever. There's always going to be those people, dude. And you can't worry about them because, you know, who's winning in the music industry? The producers who are sampling. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they don't they don't care. They don't care because it's all about just what's right for the moment and at that time, right? And if, yeah. the, call, if the song calls for that sound and that's the sound and you just leave it alone it's the same with the toys you know so and and you're a great example of that right you understand that your strength is is designing characters nobody else is going to design these characters in in their head the way that you do right Mm -hmm. so now what your job is to do is to how are you going to communicate that to all these different you know people to bring your vision together dude that's the hardest part yeah that's a skill in itself right yeah so that's you know that's that's what you do 
communicating um, something that's in my head to someone else when I can only see it and I don't always have the words for it, that's problematic. And that's got to be probably more disappointing for you, right? Because you're over here, like you've got this vision, right? So you know what it's supposed to look like. And then you've got this guy over here who's like essentially trying to guess based off of a description that you give him yeah. and probably your best drawing, which I'm not know good. How good of, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's probably not great, right? So like yeah. this guy's only got so much information to work with. So it's probably just, I'm sure you're a patient guy, right? Because you, you got to, you know, do a lot of back and forth and be like, okay, so this is a good first draft uh, yeah. maybe change this and bring the eye down here or, you know, or maybe it, you don't like your own design. Right. And you're looking right. at it in a 3d space and you're like, mm, this is good on paper, but maybe not in 3d. Maybe I should make his mouth a little more rounder. So the profile looks better when I turn mm -hmm. it to this side, you know, so you make these decisions on the fly, you, you know, so it's hard. It's tough. I don't have to worry about that. Right. Because I just do it as I'm making it. I'm just yeah. kind of like, uh, this no sucks. I just do it, you know, and save so much more time and, and hassle. And so I, I tip my hat to you, sir, because that's a, it's a hell of a job. I, I, you know, people are asking me, you know, when I'm doing this and I'm like, yo, it really is a labor of love. Like nobody's really just like doing this and being like, I hate this. Like yeah. you really have to like this to, to, to be going through and I hear, it's funny, I, I relate to so many people that jump on this podcast and talk about it, and I, they'll be talking about things as I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep, I'm doing this right now, you know, like, it's cool, man. So with all of these different art skills that you've, like, developed and all these things that have kind of, um, kind of just presented themselves in your life and they keep popping up and you keep moving different art forms. Um, where, what is the end for you? What do you want to accomplish? What's the major, like, this is something that would be like the top for me. Dude, for me, yeah. a dream for me would be able to work on like a big ass animatronic. Yeah. Something. For like a Universal Studios or like a theme park or like a, a movie set or something. Yeah. Like I, I I was watching the other day how they make like the animatronic T-Rex for the theme parks. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've ever been to Universal. Yeah. Theme parks where they, you know, they have the T-Rex that comes down at you right at the drop. And I'm, I'm looking at that thing. I'm like, oh, dude, it's terrifying, but it's so cool. And it's so big and it's alive and it's moving. And I think that shit is the coolest stuff ever. I am like completely fascinated by just like big structures and if they can move, it's even better. Yeah. It's that's a, that's a rad goal. That'd be sick. Right. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Like what's like, what's going to be like the next Jurassic park, like thing, right? Like what's going to like happen and hit us the same way. Like us seeing that T-Rex come out into the movie theater. Like what's going to do it for the younger generation? What is that thing, right? Here is, yeah, if I had to guess, um, it's going to take someone that is innovative, that ha that like is thinking outside the box. Like when they filmed the new Avatar movie that came out, the guy, yeah. who, I can't remember his name, is it something Cameron, James Cameron? James Cameron, yeah. So he is like developing new types of cameras and like new types of technology oh, to film. Dude, yeah. So yeah. I think what the next generation is going to get or what is going to like rock their socks is people like you who might be thinking outside the box, but you're going to have to develop something new that doesn't exist yet. 
Yeah, yeah, but you know what? There's a beauty in that, right? Because I don't know about you, man, but like I feel like a lot of my favorite franchises and things that I grew up on have just been pillaged, yeah, and just don't have anything left, and they've just they've just burned it into the ground, and they're taking every single penny that they could suck from it. I won't name these franchises, but it, chances are the shoe fits, yeah, whichever one you're thinking about. And I think that there's just a lack of creativity in the market, or maybe there's not, and there's just gatekeepers that are preventing that from happening. But like, instead of just recycling the same superheroes, like let's make new ones yeah, or making, taking superheroes and then giving them characteristics and, and, and uh, traits that they didn't originally have or were created to have. Like if, you know, you want to make a character a certain way, then just make a new character and make them that way. Yeah, you know, instead of trying to change and and things that already exist, and I understand that you know everybody's got to make their buck and they got to squeeze the the juice out. But at the end of the day, it's like, who are the new superheroes, man? Right. You know, like who? What are those people going to be? What is it going to look like? What are they going to represent? What are they fighting? You know, yeah. um, we don't have that anymore. It's the same old story over and over. What we know of the my Batman dream and all that stuff. It's all the same. Yeah, sadly, my dream is a dream of destruction, right? Like, I want people like, or like characters like Batman to be retired for good. Mm -hmm. I want characters like Superman to be retired, like these. Yeah, because uh, what I you're agree. And what you're saying is like that's why I think that's I can. Spider Man, chill. Spider Man needs to chill. Yeah, after I mean, so many movies, so we're much. good. Yeah. So much different. You can't even keep the the same. You know, obviously, it's impossible to keep the same actor to be a Peter Parker. But you're getting like a different Peter Parker, and so now it's like, it's like who you know. I like the first movie, but I don't like the third movie. And it's, you know, I I almost liked Spider Man more before they pillaged it. You know, the way that they did, right. and it, it really killed it for me. Um, you know, so, and I get, like I said, I understand that that's what, what's going to happen, but like, my thing is like, what's new? Yeah. You know, and that might be, that, you know, hopefully that can come from me, but you know, they can come from so many other people. And I'm wondering, you know, is there a lack of originality out there or are there gatekeepers out there that are just not letting it happen? Right. And yeah. so that's the beauty thing about social media is that people get people get to put their stuff out there and you get to go out and find these people. And I used to hate social media for such a long time until I started learning how to curate it. Yeah. And I specifically started going in and liking everything that I liked and showing love on every single thing that I genuinely enjoyed looking at and inspired by. So that way, every time I look at my feed, all I'm seeing is super cool shit yeah. instead of depressing and things that make me, you know, question my existence. Like so many people have to deal with it, you know? Which is so sick, dude. It's been, yeah, that's, I love bringing creators like you on that have dabbled in so many different um, things. Cause your perspective is a little different, right? Like I'm stuck in, yeah. like I've been a creative my whole life, but I haven't done art my whole life. And so now expressing this art, whatever inside me in the form of toys, like I wish I had done glass blowing. I wish, cause I have weird ideas that want to incorporate or like, I wish I would have done certain other things, but um, it's cool to have people like you guys on the podcast because we're not yeah, always still like that. Um, I appreciate it. As we uh, come to the end part, um, 
my favorite part every week. It's like my, how you guys can get more attention, how they can find you, um, everything that you've got going on, what you got coming, you can plug away and this is yours right here. So plug all your stuff, man. Yeah, man. Um, not much, not a whole lot to plug right now. I'll plug my Instagram is kpatio22. Um, I have a toy profile that I'm trying to be more consistent with. And that's the profile that I'm going to put a little bit of love, tender care into and try to have like an actual cohesive story with characters that make sense that all live into the same world. So um, that account is a BNDT toys. It's supposed to be for Bandit. Um, that's the name of the main character. He's named after my dog. Uh, because he's got prints, uh, black prints over his eyes. You can probably hear them in the background. Um, and he looks like he's wearing a robber's mask. Mm. And so his original name when I got him was Bandit. I've changed his name to Bruno since, but I like Bandit and a lot of my characters designed around him. And he's a little mischievous, almost kind of like a Stitch meets Hello Kitty kind of vibe. So, um, yeah, so you can go BNDT Toys. And um, that's it, man. Just look out for for some of the stuff that I'm going to be coming out with here. I got some new designs, and uh, and hopefully I can bring that magnet thing to life. And maybe you could be one of the first people to to see it when I when I make it. Heck yeah! <laughs> if you need anything, let me know. We'll try to figure it out and write it down on paper or whatever, dude. That yeah. would be so sick. Yeah, I probably will need something, dude. So <laughs> I'll probably end up hitting you up and being like, yo, I need somebody. You, you'll probably be able to put me in the right direction. We've talked to a ton of people. Yeah, so, there's probably someone yeah, out man. there that's done it. So I'm I'm hoping that you can get it done because that's so sick. Yeah, dude. But hell, man, it's, it's an honor to be on this podcast. I think it's great what you're doing, man. You're literally building a community. You know, from what for me, it feels like you're doing this on your own and you're really the guy that's taking the flag and going out and you know giving small artists a shot as well as you know keeping up with the bigger artists and just turning a whole bunch of people onto um onto this art form and onto this lifestyle really uh you know i've talked to a ton of artists because of this show um you know it, it causes me to look at like oh, who's the interviewing oh i've never heard of this guy let me go check him out on instagram and then i look at him like oh this shit is super dope i would have never found this guy if it wasn't for you, right? Because how do you find this stuff? It's so obscure. It's so niche, you yeah. know? So it's real cool to have an outlet like this. And and like I said, I feel like I, I connect with so many people that get on this podcast. And it's nice to have a, a, a central place that you can go to and hear people, you know, that have the same interest in you, yeah. um, you know, and, and share the same art forms. And then also come from all different walks of life and bring other things, you know, to the table and other art forms and other paths and stuff. It's, it's really cool what you got going on, man. I, I wish you the best. I can't wait to see you grow and uh, <laughs> and get some shelves on that wall with some toys on it.